Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast, presented by Betfred Sports. My name is Zach Kroll, and you know what we do here on this show. We are going to be talking all things college basketball, as all of a sudden, after a very long offseason, the national championship game was played just about 30 weeks ago. All of a sudden, the season is less than a week away, as coming up on Monday night, we are going to get our first action of the season not a great slate. There are a couple games here and there that stand out. You have uh, Memphis and Vanderbilt. You have Auburn and George Mason. Really looking forward to watching some of those games. And a few things before we start. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone that has listened to the first few episodes of this podcast over the last few weeks. My guy, Aaron Torres, who will also be joining us throughout the season, he's been able to jump on with me, talk about some of the biggest storylines in the sport going into the season. Last uh, few days ago, actually, we did a great episode on some of the most noticeable results during secret scrimmage season, which is right about now. We spoke a little bit about Tennessee and Gonzaga, and we're going to get into a little bit more about the Zags coming up here soon. We also got into Arkansas. They had a little bit of a surprising result getting ran off the floor really by Texas. But one of the more common themes we, we spoke about in that episode was there is a need for context when you're talking about, when you're breaking down all of these secret scrimmages, some teams could be missing players. Some teams could be playing with different motives. So it's important to not, when you look at these results, you shouldn't just be looking at it and saying, okay, that's it. It's definitive. There might be things that you may not realize that contribute to those results, but there were a ton of secret scrimmages. If you want to hear myself or Aaron's reactions on those, feel free to check out the last episode. But here on today's episode of College Hoops Daily presented by Betfred Sports, I'm going to be going solo for the first time. It's just going to be me, and we have a couple of things to hit on. There was some major news that came out yesterday about possible conference realignment. Over the last year or two, we've seen plenty of news about some big and high-profile teams possibly moving conferences. We got another announcement on that yesterday, and you guys know that this show is sponsored by Bedfred Sports. We're actually going to take a look at their odds to win the national championship in college basketball this season, and we're going to break down and talk about some of the few teams at the top of those odds board, and I will tell you if I agree or not. But without further ado, it's time to get into our main primary topic of conversation today. And this was reported by Pete Famel yesterday that Gonzaga, they've been in some talks to possibly join the Big 12 Conference in the future. If you guys didn't see, Gonzaga was actually in the state of Texas, where that's pretty close to Big 12 country. It really is considered a Big 12 country. Gonzaga was actually in Texas for their not-so-secret scrimmage. It was on pay-per-view, so anyone could have watched it uh, against Tennessee. But while they were in Texas for that scrimmage, their athletic director actually had a meeting with the commissioner of the Big 12 about Gonzaga possibly joining the league in the near future. And when I saw this news, it it was a little shocking at first, but the more I thought about it, it really did bring a smile to my face because, look, Gonzaga, it's no secret secret now. I know a lot of people like to get on them for the fact that they just haven't been able to win a national championship during the Mark Few era. 
But it's almost like that should be taken as a compliment because even though Gonzaga has been arguably the most successful program in college basketball over the course of the last decade, this is still a team that plays in the WCC. This is still a a school that is really small. And when you look at the budget, when you look at the size of Gonzaga compared to some of these other power five, power six schools, it's not particularly close. So the fact that Mark Few has turned this Gonzaga program into an absolute machine and more recently has started bringing in some of the best recruits in the country, like Jalen Suggs, like Chet Holmgren, those guys were can't-miss prospects coming out of high school. The fact that Mark Few has been able to bring these guys to Gonzaga, the fact that after losing a top-five pick in back-to-back years, Gonzaga is still going to be expected to be ranked uh, in the top five. Yeah, they are ranked in the top five to start off this season. So this program is an absolute machine. Mark Few has it rolling. But unfortunately, we know their one struggle, the one thing that they can't do, the one hump that they can't really get over is the fact that they cannot win the big game. They haven't been able to win a national championship. And I think in most years they would have won the national championship two years ago, but they just ran into an absolute buzzsaw of a Baylor team. All the pressure was really on Gonzaga going into that game, considering they were playing for the undefeated season. And last year they were the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. But unfortunately they suffered a very disappointing loss in the sweet 16 to Arkansas. And this is going to be a big year for Gonzaga, but we know it is going to be played in the WCC. They have dominated this league uh, since it feels like the beginning of time as the WCC is a solid league that I will say it has improved a little bit over the course of time with San Francisco making the NCAA tournament last year. St. Mary's also made the big dance last year, and they really have been that one team that does serve as a little bit of a threat to the Gonzaga program in the WCC. But Gonzaga knows big picture. They might lose to St. Mary's maybe once or twice on the floor, but Gonzaga is still the dominant conference in the WCC. And I think over the course of the last few seasons, in particular the last two, I'm not saying Gonzaga isn't good or shouldn't get as much credit as they do because they play in a bad league. The fact that Gonzaga has just dominated that league, rarely losing any games it feels like during this span that Mark Few has been there, that is really impressive. And that is not something that should be taken for granted. That is not something that every program in college basketball is going to be able to do. But at the same time, I feel like when you're playing that level of competition for such a long time, that does ultimately hurt you when you get to the NCAA tournament just because you're not used to playing that good a competition. And it was clear to me like two years ago, Gonzaga, they were fortunate to get to that national championship game against Baylor, considering what happened in the final four game against UCLA when Suggs hit the big shot, because there was a real chance Gonzaga wasn't going to win that game. And I just think if they were exposed to better competition, especially later, that would serve them a little bit better. You remember this is like seven, eight years ago, they used to play Memphis in like a, a, for a one game stretch in February that would try to get them revved up for the NCAA tournament. And I think if Gonzaga does stay in the WCC, that will ultimately be something that helps them. But at the same time, I think it is likely that sometime in the near near future, sometime in the next 
I would say, three or four years that we see Gonzaga switch conferences, join the Power Five, Power Six, and wherever they go, whether it's the Big 12, if you remember, there were also some rumors about them joining the Big East over the summer. That ultimately didn't happen, and from just geographical standpoint that would have been a weird fit and by the way I do like Gonzaga in the WCC they've been dominating that conference for years to come for the last 20 years and it would be interesting to see them in a new conference but at the same time you just get so accustomed to them beating San Francisco and BYU and St. Mary's playing at 11 30 p.m. Eastern time every Thursday night out here in the on the east coast but yeah Gonzaga in the Big 12 would be super interesting, and I do think eventually it is bound to happen because it does help both sides. I just said from the Gonzaga perspective, this is a program that has done everything you possibly could in the WCC. And if I was them, after a while, that feeling of just dominating the WCC year after year after year I have to think, doesn't it feel a little bit old, or at least it has to at times, because Gonzaga is expected to beat all of these teams. If they lose one or two conference games any year, I'm not going to say the fans and everyone following college basketball panics, but it does come out. It does look like a little bit of a concern. And that is the opposite in the Big 12. The Big 12 has been the best conference, the premier conference in college basketball over the course of the last three or four seasons, and maybe even uh, dating back even longer to that. They didn't necessarily have the tournament success, but each and every year, this conference has been putting about seven or eight teams in the big dance, in the NCAA tournament. And it wasn't until recently that they finally had that success in the postseason. I think when it comes to the sport of college basketball, that is one thing that is a little bit unfair, considering that you could have such a great regular season, but it could all come to end so quickly based on one game, one loss in the NCAA tournament. And Kansas and Bill Self, but prior to this past season, they had some tough, deep, uh, late NCAA tournament losses in games they really should have won. Iowa State has made the tournament a handful of times over the past, over the course of the past decade. They haven't really been able to break through and have NCAA tournament success. Oklahoma, they made a Final Four in 2016, but got the absolute doors blown off them. Kansas, prior to this year, the last time they made the Final Four was in 2018 against Villanova. They got destroyed in that game as well. Texas has really struggled to make deep runs in the NCAA tournament. So the Big 12, besides the last two years, they were known as the really good conference, arguably the premier conference in all of college basketball. But unfortunately, they weren't able to back it up with postseason results. And finally, that changed over the last two, three years, uh, the last two, three tournaments, I should say, because the 2021 was postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But Texas Tech in 2019, they made it all the way to the national championship game, excuse me, and became very close to winning that national championship. Baylor, there arguably hasn't been a better program over the course of the last three years than the Bears, considering they won the national championship in 2021. They were set to make another deep tournament run this past season if if, if they didn't uh, lose a ton of players to injuries. And in 2020, the year the tournament got canceled, they were going to be a number one seed, and they were looking like the number one team in the country possibly when the season and the whole sport of college basketball got shut down. 
And then you have Kansas, who has been one of the premier programs in the sport. And this comes after the announcement of a little more than a year ago that Texas and Oklahoma were going to leave the league. Now, from a football perspective, Texas and Oklahoma are the two biggest names in the Big 12 Conference. And that is going to be a killer when the Big 12 does lose those two teams. But I do give the Big 12 credit because immediately, as soon as they found out that those two teams were going to be leaving, they went out, they went on the hunt, and they added Houston. They're going to be coming to the Big 12. You add Cincinnati. They're a program on the rise, in my opinion. You add BYU that has made some NCAA tournaments over the course of the past few years. And UCF has been pretty good on the football side. So the Big 12 is going to be adding those two teams. And keep in mind, Houston is very quickly becoming one of the premier programs in the sport of college basketball, at least one of the best ones, because they made a Final Four two years ago. They're going to be ranked in the top five of the AP poll to start off this season. And they, in my opinion, have a really good, or I would say a realistic chance to win the national championship. So you have all these teams, right? You have Baylor, you have Kansas, you have Houston now, you have Texas Tech, you have West Virginia. That's a program that's been struggling a little bit over the course of the last few years. But when they're on, they're a really good program to have basketball-wise. So you have all these teams, and now you add Gonzaga, arguably the top program in college basketball over the course of the last few years. I think this will be a major addition for the Big 12 if you could have your premier game every year be Gonzaga against Kansas or Gonzaga against Baylor. This move would make the Big 12, if it, if it's not already, because I think it is right now, the best conference in all of college basketball. But if you make this move, then you are now, it's not even a debate. It's not even close. The best conference in college basketball. Baylor, they've won a national championship recently. Gonzaga, they're right on the fringe. Houston, they're right on the fringe. Kansas, I mean, wow. For a program that we thought might be in trouble after they lose Texas and Oklahoma, or a conference, I should say, not a program, a conference that was in trouble, it looked like it after they lost some of their biggest brand names, all of a sudden, you could have Gonzaga coming in, and from a pure basketball perspective, because I know that's what really complicates things here, football, Gonzaga doesn't have a football team, and the Big 12 just lost their two biggest football brands, that is going to be a little bit of concern, but the Big 12 just signed a massive new TV contract that was announced earlier this week. And uh, they're doing a good job at considering circumstances after losing Texas and after losing Oklahoma. So I do think if Gonzaga does go to the Big 12, it would be pretty good for the sport of college basketball just because we would be able to see them in much more, much bigger, uh, higher profile games like against Kansas, like against Baylor. I give Mark Few a lot of credit the way he's been scheduling recently because he knows that in order to win and in order to advance in the NCAA tournament, you're going to have to go up and beat some of the best teams in the sport, teams that Gonzaga wasn't really seeing during their conference slate. So Mark Few, he decided to uh, uh, change his scheduling approach a little bit. And over the course of the last few years, Gonzaga has played usually the toughest non-conference schedule in all of college basketball. They played Duke last year. They played UCLA last year. Two years ago, they played Kansas. They're going to be playing Michigan State and Kentucky 
this year. Uh, they're going to be playing at Texas this year. They're just a handful of games. Baylor, too, when you look at this Gonzaga non-conference schedule that they're going to be playing. And it makes sense because they know when they get to conference play, they're not going to be seeing teams this good. The issue is if Gonzaga is playing all these games during the non-conference slate in November, in December, it almost feels like it doesn't even do anything because for three months leading up to the tournament, Gonzaga is playing just not so good competition. And in their tournament losses, again, they made it all the way to the national championship game two years ago. And I don't think that result really had much to do with who they were playing, but they just hadn't seen a team uh, as physically big and fast and as good as Baylor. And it's funny because the thing about that game earlier that season in early December, Gonzaga and Baylor were actually scheduled to play uh, during the non-conference slate. And that was the season, if you remember also, that really from the jump, Gonzaga and Baylor from start to finish were the two best teams in the country. And a lot of people were just waiting to see those two teams play in the national championship because it was clear they were the two best. But most seasons aren't going to be like that. And Gonzaga needs to play better competition closer to the NCAA tournament so they're used to that kind of teams being on the same floor as them. Because I really do think that is something that has really hurt Gonzaga over the course of the last few years. It's very hard to go from playing and being so used to playing your BYUs and your St. Mary's and your Santa Clara's of the world. And even in the second or early in the NCAA tournament, you could just play an underachieving SEC team that hasn't really been good all year. We saw this past year with Memphis, right? Memphis had the talent of a top 10 team last year. Obviously the season didn't uh, go the way most people planned with Amani Bates with all of the players they had. The chemistry looked off at times. But all of a sudden, you turn around and Memphis looks like one of the better teams in the country in that round of 32 game against Gonzaga. And the Zags were really on the ropes in that game. If Drew Timmy doesn't play arguably, maybe, yeah, in my opinion, the best game of his college career, Gonzaga loses that game to Memphis. And they go out again in the round of 32. And I know they ended up losing in the next round to Arkansas. But the point is... Gonzaga was not used to playing those kind of teams, even though in November they were playing UCLA, they played Duke, they played Texas, they were playing some of the best teams in the country, but that time in between those games, when you're playing BYU, when you're playing Santa Clara, that is what ultimately has hurt Gonzaga, not being able to play those big-time teams more close to the start of the NCAA tournament, and I do think them joining the Big 12 would at least help solve that issue because look Mark Few is one of the five best coaches in the country in my opinion he deserves a national championship but some of the circumstances he's faced that are could be in his control might not be you know he could do some things and Gonzaga could do some things that I think could help them get at least closer and maybe ultimately win that national championship that they've wanted for so long and I do think in a conference like the Big 12 Gonzaga might not go 30 and three every year in the regular season like we're so used to them doing, but at the same time, it will also prepare them much better and ultimately maybe help them win that national championship when they're playing teams like Kansas and Baylor and Houston and Texas Tech more days than not, just so they're used to that level of competition. And when you take a few losses in the regular season, I'm not saying 
it completely takes the pressure off in the NCAA tournament. But I just feel like Gonzaga the last few years, they've known that the expectation based on the seasons they've had is national championship or bust. And I understand for most teams that is going to be the mindset, especially the best teams in college basketball. But for this Gonzaga team, the last two years, they've been the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. And the pressure has been off out the roof because people are expecting them to win it. But in their eyes, they haven't faced some of the teams that they are seeing in a while. And I do think ultimately that has contributed to why they haven't gotten the job done. So to recap, I think Gonzaga joining the Big 12 would be a really good move for both sides. If you're Gonzaga, you're in a real conference now. You're playing some of the best competition. And even though at the end of the day, it's going to lead to more losses compared to what you've had in the WCC. If your goal is ultimately winning a national championship, you might need to take those lumps to get re-engaged, to get locked in, because I'm telling you, the last two tournaments, Gonzaga felt confident. There's They were the number one overall seed. Uh, they hadn't lost much during the regular season, but they were confident based on a lot of, in my opinion, their opponents. That When they saw these big-time teams, uh, maybe they just sweat a little bit more. Maybe there was just a lot more pressure, and I think ultimately that has contributed to why they haven't won. So this is going to be a really interesting story to follow as the season goes on. Gonzaga has dominated the WCC over the past two decades, and even though that's likely to continue if they do stay, big picture, it might not be the best thing for the program. Moving on to the next segment of today's episode of College Hoops Daily with your host, Zach Kroll, it is time to look at some national championship Odds. And what we're going to be doing now is looking at these odds at some of the projected best teams in college basketball. And I'm going to be telling you guys if these odds to win the national championship, are they worth investing in? Because the thing about college basketball that's so interesting is I think if you follow the sport close enough, there are going to be some opportunities for you when it comes to the gambling industry to outsmart the markets a little bit because the people that make the numbers that are setting these lines, yeah, they know what's going on. They're paying attention, but I really do believe that they are not as sharp, as accurate as how Vegas is compared to some of the other sports like the NFL, like the NBA, like maybe even college football, just because college basketball isn't as mainstream. There aren't as many people that are participating in this betting on college basketball opposed to some of the other sports. So I really do think this is a sport that you are going to be able to take advantage a little bit of the market if you're paying attention if you know what you're talking about. And what we're going to be doing on this next segment here is I'm going to give out the five teams with the lowest odds to win the national championship. And when I say lowest, I mean lowest in terms of number, highest odds in terms of most likely to win the national championship, according to Vegas. And I'll tell you if these odds are worth investing in or not. And then at the end, I'll give you a few long shot options that I like as well. And the first team on the board, really, there are actually two teams tied for the highest odds and most likely odds to win the national championship. And it's funny because both of them do not even play 
in a power six school. Gonzaga, a team that we just spoke a lot about, and Houston, a team that was also mentioned in this conversation. Both of those teams, uh, Houston definitely, maybe Gonzaga, have a chance to be playing in the Big 12 conference sooner rather than later, but that won't be happening this year. Both of those teams are currently plus 850 to win the whole thing. Both of these teams also got knocked out in the same round last year in the NCAA tournament. That was the Sweet 16 with Gonzaga losing uh, to Arkansas and Houston losing to Arizona. So both these teams are going to be looking for a little bit of payback. And the first question I'll answer here is, okay, both these teams have the highest odds to win the national championship, most likely at plus 850. Which one do you like more, Gonzaga or Houston? And if I'm going to answer the question like that, my answer would be Houston. Because when I look at this Houston Cougar team, they're very versatile. They're bringing back the best guard duo in all of college basketball. And the thing about Houston last year, right, they had such a great season. They go back to the NCAA tournament again. They win the American Athletic Conference rather easily again. And I think you can make the argument they were a little bit underseeded. This Houston Cougar team was a number five seed in the NCAA tournament. And if you look even deeper into that, the region they were in was brutal. Houston did not deserve to play Arizona, a number one seed, in the Sweet 16. They also got matched up with Illinois in the round of 32, an Illinois team that I thought if they would have played anyone else, uh, they could have done some significant damage in the NCAA tournament. But unfortunately for them, they get matched up with Houston. But the thing with Houston that I think people forgetting about is last year, they had, for the first few months of the season, arguably the best guard in all of college basketball in Marcus Sasser. He was their leading scorer. He was playing his way to a future job in the NBA. And there's a good chance if he doesn't get hurt last year, he is not even a Houston Cougar right now. But unfortunately, he has the devastating foot injury. And even though that was brutal for Houston at the time, he's actually going to be back this season and is pretty high on most people's uh, best guard in college basketball list. He's going to be one of the best players returning uh, to play college basketball this season. And they're going to be pairing him up with the guy that replaced Sasser when he went down last year. And he did a great job, Jamal Shedd. I think that guard duo is elite. It's going to win Houston a lot of games. And one thing we know about college basketball and one thing we know about what you need to advance and win uh, during the NCAA tournament is you need good guard play. And between those two guys and a very good coach in Kelvin Sampson, that is a great nucleus for Houston to start with. And then you surround them with a guy in Tremont Mark, who two years ago, when Houston actually made the final four in 2021, he was a major contributor to that team, but he got hurt early last year as well. So before American Athletic Conference play even started last year, Houston lost two of their major contributors and it didn't really affect them much at all. They didn't even miss a beat. They still were able to win a ton of games and they were able to finish 15 and three in the American Athletic Conference, which was really impressive. They're also adding uh, a top 10 freshman in Jarris Walker. I think Jawan Roberts is a name to look out for. He had some flashes last year, but I think now having a bigger role and just a better path to more consistent minutes, he's going to be a major contributor 
And uh, Kelvin Sampson has emerged as one of the best coaches in the country. There aren't many coaches in this sport right now that I trust to get the job done more than him. I do like Houston to win the national championship at plus 850. And when it comes to Gonzaga, I'll just be pretty simple. I don't think that this Gonzaga team is as good as either of the uh, Gonzaga teams that we've seen the last two years. And I know Drew Timmy is still there, and he's had a phenomenal college career. And by the way, I even had this opinion even before I saw Gonzaga getting blown out by Tennessee in the the pay-per-view game on, on Friday night. So I had these thoughts even before that game, and even after that game, it's hard not to feel a little bit better, that I'm a little bit down on Gonzaga Right now, compared to the consensus, a lot of people are going to have them ranked number one or number two. You can see with these odds, they are currently tied to be the number one favorite to win the national championship. But when I look at this Gonzaga team, they do lose Chet Holmgren, the guy that was a top three NBA draft pick going to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he was really the reason why Gonzaga's defense, which isn't usually a strength of theirs, he was the reason why Gonzaga's defense was elite last year. And they're really going to miss him. They also lose Andrew Nebhart, a guy that has played major minutes on each of the last two Gonzaga teams that have gotten that number one overall seed entering the NCAA tournament. He's playing in the NBA right now with the Indiana Pacers. I think that's going to be a tough guy to replace. And a lot of people thought or, and are thinking right now that Nolan Hickman is going to be the guy to replace Nembhart and Gonzaga might just go as he goes. And that might be true. But honestly, I didn't really see much from Nolan Hickman last year to make me feel confident that he's someone I could rely on, especially as this team's starting point guard going into this year. I know that Hickman is a former top 25 recruit that was supposed to do big things. And I still think he could be a big, a big time player, but relying on him after he really didn't do much last season to be your primary ball handler. I just don't think that's a formula for success. They also brought in Malachi Smith from Chattanooga, who is a really good player, especially at the mid-major level with Chattanooga. But I don't know for this Gonzaga team, how much of an impact he's going to have. I like some of the pieces around Drew Timmy, like a Julian Strouder, like a Rasir Bolton, I think both those guys are going to be pretty good players. But I just compare this Gonzaga team to the teams of the last two years when you had a Chet Holmgren, you had an Andrew Nembhard, you had a Corey Kispert. I'm just continuing to list off all these NBA players. And aside from Drew Timmy, who is a no doubt great player in college who might not even be a major contributor in the NBA as his career goes on. I just don't know if this Gonzaga team has any difference makers, really. And the fact that they're just going to continue to play not-so-great competition leading up to the NCAA tournament, I just have no real reason to believe that this Gonzaga team is all of a sudden going to be the one to finally break the, the drought and win the national championship, when really I thought the teams of the last two years we're much better and much more well-suited to do so. So if you ask me, Zach, you look at the top two favorites to win the national championship, Gonzaga at plus 850, Houston at plus 850, the answer in terms of the bet I would like to make the most compared to those two, it would be Houston at plus 850. Now, North Carolina, they're third on the board to win the national championship at plus 1,000. And I think this is an interesting one because North Carolina was so close to winning the whole thing last year. As a number eight seed, they went on a magical run 
beating Baylor in overtime after blowing a massive lead in the round of 32. They then beat UCLA in just a classic Sweet 16 game. Caleb Love just could not miss a shot at the end, and they beat UCLA. Then in the Elite Eight, they beat St. Peter's, the team that beat Kentucky, the team that beat Purdue and Jaden Divey. They went on a magical run, and North Carolina not only beat them, but they didn't even sweat. They blew out St. Peter's. They then beat Duke in another classic game in the Final Four. And with a banged-up Armando Baycott, North Carolina unfortunately fell just short of winning the national championship when they lost in that Natty Chip game to the Kansas Jayhawks. And for the record, North Carolina returns just about everyone from that team last year that was so close to winning the national championship. Caleb Love will be back. RJ Davis will be back. Armando Baycott will be back. Leaky Black will be back. And they also add Pete Nance, the transfer from Northwestern, to really replace the one guy that they're going to miss in Brady Manick. And Pete Nance was a fringe all-Big Ten-type player last year at Northwestern. He could have gotten himself a two-way contract in the NBA if he really wanted to go that route. And for the record, North Carolina is going to be my number one ranked team going into the season. Now, does that mean they're going to be my pick to win the national championship? No. I think they're going to be right in the mix in the end. And I think plus a thousand is solid value. I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, and I do think that North Carolina, if I were making these odds, they should probably be the favorite just because they uh, came so close last year. They're returning everyone. Uh, and I think this team is rock solid and better than that, really. They have a ton of big time playmakers. They have a lot of experience. I believe in Hubert Davis as a head coach. I was really impressed with this North Carolina team's mental fortitude last season, especially considering it was a team full of pretty young players and a first-year head coach. But Hubert Davis never really gave up on these guys. He was ready to go all in, and North Carolina really started playing their best basketball of the season at the best time. It's funny, North Carolina didn't even earn their first Quadrant 1 win of the season last year until about mid-February when they went into Virginia Tech and won. And the one question that I would have for this North Carolina team would be, is this team from start to finish going to play like or even close to the team we saw in the NCAA tournament? Because the crazy thing about North Carolina last year was there were times that they didn't even look like they were good enough to make the NIT when they're getting run off the floor by Wake Forest, when they're getting run off the floor by Miami. And those two games came in the span of a week. Those two games were pretty close together. I was impressed with how North Carolina was able to develop that confidence so quickly after a ton of things early on in the season didn't go their way. The fact that they were able to not only beat Duke in the final four, but they went into Cameron Indoor Stadium and beat Duke right before Coach K's final game. And there were not a lot of people, if you remember, that were picking or even really giving the UNC Tar Heels a chance in that game, and somehow they find a way to go into Duke and win that game in shocking fashion. And Caleb Love, I'll say this about him, he's really talented, and there are some moments during Tar Heel games where you watch him and say, okay, this kid is going to have a legitimate chance to be a real player. In the NBA, he looks like he's the most talented player on the floor. Excuse me, but... There would also be some games where he's shooting five of 25 or five of 20 from the field and still 
North Carolina had enough firepower to bail him out a little bit and win those games. Unfortunately, that couldn't happen in the national championship when he wasn't really playing at his best. But when I look at Caleb Love, I think if he could be a little bit more consistent, he is obviously going to be taking a lot of the shots, but if he could just be a little bit more consistent and a little bit more efficient, I think that's what this UNC team is really missing. And that would be the one thing that puts this Tar Heel team completely over the top. And I do think with Caleb Love, He's obviously a really talented player, a guy that could have went to the NBA after his dominant and great NCAA tournament performance. I think there's a good chance he's going to be one of the better players in the country this season, along with Armando Baycott, who was really impressive showing his toughness going out there and with the 20 and 15 in that national championship game against Kansas while he's playing on one leg. I do think at plus 1,000, North Carolina to win the national championship is a solid bet. It's not my favorite bet on the board in terms of winning the national championship, but I do think that's pretty solid. UNC at plus a thousand to win the national championship. Looking at the teams that are four and five on the board, this is interesting. They have the same odds. Kentucky at plus uh, 12,000. Baylor at plus 1200, I should say, you know, don't have a, never easy to, to read numbers and do math here on the podcast, not the strike, but yes, Baylor and Kentucky both tied at plus 1200 to win the national championship at four and five. And I'll say this, going into the season and really for the majority of the offseason, Kentucky was really going to be one of my favorite bets and maybe my official prediction to win the national championship. I just think John Calipari is so due to get this Kentucky team back to the promised land. And I really like this roster from Oscar Shibway, the defending national player of the year, the first National Player of the Year to return to school in college basketball since uh, Tyler Hansborough at North Carolina in 2008-2009. Uh, they bring back Jacob Toppin, that I, uh, a person that I think is that he has the potential to be a first-round pick in the NBA draft. He's gotten better and better each year that he's played college basketball. They also bring back Severe Wheeler, an experienced point guard that knows Everything about the SEC, their freshman class is pretty impressive with uh, Kaysen Wallace and Chris Livingston. And I think the pieces for this Kentucky team, they do fit together really well. The issue is there are some injuries. And Oscar Shibway, he's been dealing with a knee injury for a while now. He is still expected to be back on opening night in the Champions Classic as well for Kentucky. But Severe Wheeler, he actually left Kentucky's exhibition game the other day with an injury, and it isn't expected to be long-term. They do expect him back for the Champions Classic also, but without Severe Wheeler, this Kentucky team doesn't really have any other options at point guard. They could play Kaysen Wallace, who is a quote-unquote combo guard, but I don't think that's something you really want to do, especially when you were going into the season expecting to have a guy in Severe Wheeler who is a veteran who has been through all the battles uh, it's interesting that he does get hurt a little bit more than you would like, but it makes sense considering he's not the best shooter and he it doesn't have a ton of size. So his game a lot of times is really just him driving uh, to the basket. And that sometimes when you're not big does put you in a little bit of a vulnerable position in terms of injuries. But I do think when he's on the floor, Wheeler, Shibway, they also ha- should have some better shooting with C.J. Frederick back healthy. He's going to be ready to go. The Iowa transfer was one of the better overall shooters in college basketball the last time we saw him out there playing on the floor. So I do think Kentucky at plus 1,200 
is something to invest in as long as those injury concerns are good. And maybe that number uh, gets raises a little bit as the season goes on, if those guys are hurt, but I do expect big things from Kentucky this season at plus 1200. That is a bet. I'd be willing to invest in another one, five, number five on the board, Baylor at plus 1200. That's another one I like as well. This bears team. If you remember, they win the national championship two years ago in 2020 when they just when they brought just about everyone back from the Baylor team in 2020 that when the season ended due to the COVID-19 pandemic it ended early that team was going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament that team was ready for another deep March Madness run and the season got shut down and we never got to see what Baylor did the next year they returned everyone back and they're clearly one of the better teams if not yet, the best team in college basketball. And even last year, even though they lost some guys from the national championship team, they lose Jared Butler, they lose Macy Oteague, they lose Davion Mitchell, even and they lose um, Mark Vital too, who was a very important part of that team. They lose all those guys, but all of a sudden you turn around and Baylor started last season during the non-conference stretch of the season especially. They were the best team in college basketball with the healthy LJ Cryer. With the healthy Jonathan Chamochachua, you see James Akinjo developing, getting better. You see Adam Flagler developing, getting better. Even your uh, Flo Thambas, he was making an impact as well. But unfortunately, Baylor loses those two guys, Cryer and JTT, and the team was just not the same. They weren't able to bounce back. This year, they made some big moves as well as bringing in uh, bringing some guys back that I really like, that I think is going to make this team better. Uh, having hopefully a healthy LJ Cryer. Flagler will be back. They also bring in Keontae George, one of the best freshmen in all of college basketball. They also bring in Jalen Bridges, the transfer from West Virginia, who is very familiar with the Big 12 playing at WVU over the course of the last few seasons. And Bob Huggins has made it clear that that kid's strength, he is a known winner. He wants to do whatever it can to win games for his team. I think Jalen Bridges at Baylor will be a nice uh, impact player. I think Baylor at plus 1,200, they're appropriate, pr- appropriately priced, and that's a bet I would be willing to look at as well. In terms of bets I don't like, the teams that are 6, 7, and 8, teams I'm not really trying to invest in right now, Duke at plus 1,300, too young, lose too many guys, Kansas, same thing. Really, Arizona, too, they're the next team I was referring to. For any of those three teams, I just don't love their odds to win the national championship. They're losing way too many guys. You look at Duke, John Shire, first-year head coach. I think he's going to do pretty well eventually, but I think it's a little unreasonable for him to think for him to come in right away and win a national championship with a team primarily full of freshmen in his first year. That's something I'm not really interested in right now. Kansas has good depth. I think they have some nice pieces, but they don't really have the top-end talent, especially considering they lose Abaji, they lose Brown, they lose McCormick, they lose Remy Martin. I don't know if they have enough left over to win their second national championship in two years. And Arizona, they lose two NBA first-round picks, really three. I know Kristen Coloco technically wasn't an NBA first-round pick, but they lose him, who's an impact player. Ben Matherin, who's balling out with the Pacers right now. They also lose Daylon Terry, who is a first-round pick. And this is going to be really the first season for Tommy Lloyd 
that he's going to be coaching the players that he brought in. A lot of the players that came into the Arizona program uh, that were on the team last year, they were brought in by their old coach, Sean Miller. So I wouldn't love Arizona at that number. A couple long shots before we get out of here, uh, here on College Hoops Daily, talking about odds to win the national championship. I like UCLA at plus 2,000. That might even be my official pick to win the whole thing. Stay tuned for that. But I love bringing back Hawkes and Tiger Campbell. They also will bring in some big-time freshmen in Adam Bana and Amari Bailey. Plus, Jalen Clark is a breakout candidate, and Mick Cronin has done a great job coaching up the Bruins ever since he got to UCLA. The other team I like is Tennessee at plus 3,000. They do lose Kennedy Chandler. I understand that. He was a big-time player. But they do bring back Santiago Vescovi, who is not only – one of the more underrated players in the SEC and all of college basketball, but he's one of the best players in the SEC. This guy is entering his fourth year in the Tennessee program. He's seen it all. He's been through the battles. He's one of the best defenders in the SEC. He could score. He could shoot. I think he's big time. Tennessee will also bring back Josiah Jordan James. He didn't even play in that Gonzaga scrimmage. I think he's going to make a big time impact. Tennessee actually started playing Their best basketball last season, really, when they moved him to the four to stretch the floor a little bit, he could shoot it. And when they started playing their youngster, he's going to be a sophomore now, Jonas Adu. I think he's going to be a name to watch for for Tennessee in the front court. Every time I watch him, I'm more and more impressed. And Zakai Ziegler as their starting point guard. I know Rick Barnes hasn't had a ton of success in his coaching career in the NCAA tournament, but he always recruits a great team. He always has Tennessee playing winning basketball, especially last year. It came at the right time uh, towards the back end of the season. Tennessee is beating Kentucky. Uh, They're beating Arkansas. They even beat a red-hot Texas A&M team in the championship game of the SEC tournament. I know Rick Barnes historically hasn't been great in the NCAA tournament, but eventually I really do believe that he's going to get over the hump, and this roster he has might be the one he finally does it with. So my long shots to win the national championship that are outside the top five would be UCLA at plus 2,000 and Tennessee at plus 3,000. Another one I would like, Creighton at plus 2,500 right in the middle there. Uh, I think that is a team full of returning players, even though they're young. They're, most of them are only going to be sophomores that will be ready to take the leap. So everyone, that's all I'll have for you guys today. Appreciate everyone listening to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast. And the next time I talk to you guys, there's a good chance that we will have seen some college basketball. I know I said it earlier, but the slate Monday isn't great. You have some good games. Really, the first week, at least the first three, four days of this college basketball season aren't going to be particularly great in terms of the schedule. This year, the Champions Classic won't be the opening night to start the season. But on Friday night, we do have a really nice slate of games. We'll have Gonzaga taking on Michigan State on the aircraft carrier in San Diego. We'll have Wisconsin and Stanford, two very interesting teams whose season could go in a multitude of different directions. They're going to be playing at a baseball stadium, Miller Park in Milwaukee. Really looking forward to that one. You also have San Diego State and BYU Friday, which should be a pretty good game as well. But yeah, guys, that's going to do it. I just wanted to say again, thank you so much for listening to another episode of College Hoops Daily with Zach Crow.